Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 24 of the Lean Blog Podcast for May 6, 2007. Today, we have part two of a recent discussion with Jim Womack from the Lean Enterprise Institute. We turn our focus to the current state of the auto industry, and Jim answers some of your questions, the Lean Blog readers. As always, show notes can be found at leanpodcast.org, where you can also find previous episodes, or you can go to our main site, leanblog.org, and click on the podcast link. Your feedback is always welcome. You can email podcast at leanblog.org, or you can visit the blog to comment uh, on this or other podcasts. Thanks for being here. So speaking of Detroit, since Machine That Changed the World looked at Asia, North America, Europe, let's compare in terms of, I I think since they're all pretty well global companies, compare Toyota and GM and Ford. Uh, One one quote I I saw, um, one of the bounce off you here actually, I dug up, thanks to Google, the uh, the Ward's Auto World Review from 1990 when the book originally came out. And there's a, a quote in there from you that said, um, GM could stick with mass production for 40 years if it wanted to, but it would get smaller and smaller and lose 250 units in capacity every year. Was, was that really a prediction at the time? I mean, that sort of sounds like, to some extent, the path GM yeah. has gone down. Well, is that- yeah, that, uh, I was uh, not very uh, hopeful about GM at the time. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, go back to machine, actually, we had some brief hopes for Ford that Ford had learned a lot from taking a stake in Mazda. And Mazda had learned a lot from Toyota after 73 when the uh, sort of um, rotor came off the shaft on their Wankel technology, Mm -hmm. and they suddenly had to compete to just another car company. So they had a tremendous crisis. They um, really decided they just needed to copy Toyota. And, uh, by the way, the the, uh, Mind of Toyota book by uh, Hino, uh, is a book that everybody really ought to read. It's a productivity press book, mm-hmm. but um, that, that's a great book. It's hard and heck to read. Uh, you got to read it about three times to figure out what he's trying to tell you. But he was a Mazda engineer. Uh, he's now a professor at the University of Hiroshima, but uh, was an engineer at Mazda for about 30 years. Okay. And was one of those people at Mazda who actually tried to understand Toyota. So Ford, third-hand, was going to learn about Toyota from learning through Mazda. And toward the end of the 80s, it looked like uh, just in the factory, they might actually be learning something. Mm-hmm. Whereas GM, uh, toward the end of the 80s, didn't appear to have learned anything. So I was pretty discouraged uh, about GM. Now, it turns out uh, I was absolutely right about GM. We were just, of course, way too optimistic about Ford. Yeah. So uh, what we were was a cockeyed optimist mm-hmm. rather than um, um, you know, Eeyore-like, uh, inappropriate uh, pessimist. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, GM has just continued to decline. And it's an interesting question. If the management team had gotten together back in 1979 when uh, GM's market share started to go down and said, can we lose one percentage point of market share a year between now and the time the company augurs in, uh, hey, as a team, can we really manage this? Uh, it would have been very difficult to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And yet that's what they've been able to achieve. If this uh, had been uh, something that actually tried to do, they probably couldn't have done it as well as they've done it while trying, mm-hmm. I presume. I think, yeah. I think they're not trying to just manage decline. Uh, that uh, would be better than what they've actually done. So that's amazing. Uh, you get paid all that money uh, to just basically watch the ship uh, go glub, glub, glub. Um, another, well, speaking of Ford, you know, there was another comment 
um, in the Ward's Auto Review piece that uh, talked about the Ford Atlanta plant being, I guess, at the time, the most efficient big three facility. Yeah. And so a lot yeah. of people may know, you know, that plant was uh, was closed oh, down yeah. late last yeah. year. Is that yeah. is that a story of, you know, focusing on you know, trying to focus maybe on lean production or factory efficiency at the expense of, say, designing a Taurus that people would want to buy more more so than rental fleets? Well, yeah, they look, uh, that's a sad story of uh, everything gone wrong. Uh, actually, in the book, we did a rewrite at the last minute on the chapter on product development and uh, put in the GM10 example, which we hated to do because uh, that had been beaten up uh, quite severely already. Yeah. What uh, was actually in the book when uh, we wrote it, or I wrote it the first time, was actually why Taurus, you thought, was a great success, but actually is a big failure. And uh, the material we had uh, simply showed the following, that to do a successful product, you have to do it very quickly, get it to market quickly. You have to get what people want. You have to do it with a very small number of engineering hours, and you have to have it inherently makeable. Mm -hmm. And so as we looked at the original Taurus development activity, it took seven years. At that point, Toyota was taking about three. Of course, they're way below that now. Uh, that they put a tremendous number of hours of engineering into the thing. So it took forever, and the engineering cost was actually very high. Uh, the original Taurus was what the public wanted, and it was a much more makeable product than the GM10 product. It had much lower part count, and it was easier to put together. Mm-hmm. So the uh, text read, uh, two out of four ain't a passing score. Well, then as time went on, they lost the third one, which was that the subsequent Taurus uh, basically lost the uh, touch for the consumer as they got into this kind of crazy, we'll just see how many things you can do with ovals. Um, And they actually had their chief engineer explaining about how, you know, here we've got the oval theme. Well, it turned out nobody really wanted the oval theme. But in general, uh, Detroit quit investing in cars as they did segment retreat up into the bigger SUVs and pickups. So not surprising that uh, the cars they were putting out were not very good. So that uh, it's a little hard to figure out cause and effect here, but certainly the sure. effect for Atlanta was that it was uh, the best plant they had, but a product that uh, the public didn't want. Mm-hmm. And so they closed it down. Uh, by the way, just as an aside, one of the curious things about what's happened with the retreat of, retreat of Motown is that they've uh, circled the wagons back in Motown. That uh, long ago they closed most everything they had on the West Coast, and of course Numi is the only car plant uh, out there. Right. Now, and they're closing out of the Midwest and out of the East. So that just in terms of politics, uh, Motown is now a Michigan-Ohio business. You know, out of New Jersey, out of Delaware, out of Missouri, out of Texas. Uh, so it's quite interesting out of Georgia that uh, their political base becomes ever smaller in terms of presidential elections, electoral votes, uh, mm-hmm. and so forth. Right. Don't know just who is thinking that through. Uh, there's some logistical reasons why it might make some sense, and uh, Toyota City doesn't exist as it does for no reason, all in one place. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, it is curious uh, for an outside observer to note sure. that the, well, the political footprint of the industry gets well, smaller and, and smaller. Well, Toyota keeps growing. I mean, I, I, Toyota keeps growing with, there. With you the, know, it's the one plant, plant per state. Yeah. That's right. So one plant per state. Uh, you pick up two senators with each plant. Uh, seems to be yeah. the rule. I, I forget and, if it was um, the Mississippi. Governor or a senator that was quoted something to the effect of, you know, you put a plant in our state and we'll go to battle for you. So that, I mean, yeah, that's, right. there's that growing influence, right. I guess, right? That's right. So anyway, it's just a curious thing that uh, you kind of have this last roundup of the domestics. 
uh, in Motown, which, uh, you know, I was uh, out there recently, and I'm always struck when I go out there. You see cars on the road in Motown that uh, you just never see in California or in mm-hmm. Massachusetts. And indeed, yeah. the road is full of, uh, you know, Ford Fusions and Ford 500s <laughs> right. uh, that uh, haven't been seen in, in Boston in recent times. So it's just a different world still, yeah, uh, where uh, it turned out uh, on that big, big jumbo jet that was Motown, there weren't a whole lot of window seats. And uh, the folks <laughs> sitting at the window, I think, had the shade pulled down. So uh, we're approaching the mountains, but nobody's noticing. And uh, meanwhile, a tasty meal will be served shortly. <laughs> and uh, crunch, uh, that's what happens. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it must be frustrating to see the, the lack of progress and you know, there's still opportunity for people working at GM or Ford or Chrysler to, to buy your books and, and learn what they can. Mm-hmm. There was one, one other example, um, I was going to throw at you for, for comment that was actually the, the BBC this past week did a three or four part series on globalization in the auto industry. And of course, yeah. it touched on lean production. And yeah. they, they drew this contrast between the Toyota Georgetown plant. They say, you know, workers pull the cord 2000 times a week which leads to quality, and they had all those associations. And, you know, this concept of Andon, you know, shouldn't be unheard of yep. to anyone at this point. But they said Ford's plant in Dearborn, the new truck plant, they only pull the cord twice a week. And the, the BBC assessment was, you know, a le- the legacy of generations of mistrust between shop floor workers and yep. managers. It's just yep. it's yep. sad to see that still going on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, look, uh, Michigan Truck has been a sad thing to see. Uh, I went out there just when they opened it, and just, uh, boy, the body language was horrible. Uh, guys had just come over from the Mustang plant, and, um, you know, goodness gracious, uh, somehow or other, we're back in the 1930s. Uh, by the way, though, uh, the Ford plants in general, um, you know, look, are right, they do pull the cord 2,000 times a week at Georgetown. But if it were just a plant-on-plant competition, uh, Motown would be okay at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. They've learned enough. Uh, it really is the product development, the purchasing system that's really killing them, uh, along with the uh, general attitude of the of the management that is just not a problem solving. But the, the problem is that all over those companies, management's not pulling the end on cord. That uh, instead you make your numbers. Uh, if you saw when Alamalali, uh, you know, which he told the Wall Street Journal when he showed up at his first meeting with senior management at Ford, it, you know, it just turned out everybody was lying. Yeah. And uh, that had been my experience with the Ford Motor Company going back to the end of the 70s, that everybody was too clever by half. A very cynical uh, culture. Mm. And that goes all the way back to Henry Ford and Harry Bennett. Uh, so that, look, the, the relations were bad in the plant, but, uh, hey, watch out in the uh, corridor there on the top floor of the, of the glass building, um, that uh, it was all appearances as opposed to realities. Yeah. I had a, a very senior guy um in uh, Ford, who went uh, all the way to the top, and you could do a little head scratching on who that might be, but won't identify them. But told me years ago that uh, we were having dinner with another fellow who didn't get to the top at Ford, and that fellow got up and left the table. And he said that poor guy doesn't understand. He thinks Ford is a publicly traded company, <laughs> uh, whereas in fact it's a family control company, and yeah. I know how to play the family. Uh, yeah. And by golly, he knew how to play the family, and he played it all the way up the ladder. Uh, achieving nothing, very smart guy, mm-hmm. um, all the way to the top. And uh, that was just so sad, but that was Ford. Yeah. Uh, it's truly who you know, not what you know. And it's not what you've done, it's what you appear to have done. And so it just became a very um, corrupt culture that GM in that sense was actually much better. Yeah. 
Uh, and by the way, just uh, where things stand today, let's uh, go back. We've had a little doom and gloom about GM. Um, if they could figure out how to deal with the legacy issues, um, GM would actually be all right at this point. Uh, they wouldn't be a world beater, but uh, GM would actually be uh, a ship that could float. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford, uh, to this point, and we'll see what Allen could do, but sure, Ford has not been a ship that could float. And Chrysler has had a whole lot of trouble under the hood that uh, just nobody was looking at. They had a hot hand in product for you know a period mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the gestalt kind of changed on them. Uh, so that suddenly uh, what the world's uh, feeling about product was just not what Chrysler is offering. Uh, so therefore, uh, Ford and Chrysler, uh, I felt, uh, have a different um, magnitude of problem from GM. That uh, GM, if they could just deal with the legacy uh, stuff, would uh, be uh, buoyant enough to uh, stay above the, you know, the waterline. Um, what they do about the legacy is uh, what we're going to find out this coming year. Right. That uh, something has to give on legacy. Yeah, so look and, at, at uh, the that, UAW contract negotiations this year. Yeah, it's the UAW contract negotiation. It's uh, what happens in Washington. Um, you know, the government uh, hasn't got any money. And it's really tough, uh, for example, for them to do in Washington anything about the pension plan. When the pensions everybody's had out in Motown have been uh, much more generous than what anyone in comparable jobs has had anywhere else in the mm-hmm. economy. Uh, Health care is a different issue. That uh, That's back on the table uh, as a, a pretty widely understood uh, problem that uh, the country is going to have to do something about. And conceivably, you could move to some sort of national uh, health insurance that would actually take a big burden off their shoulders. Uh, I can't imagine that could happen until after the 2008 election. And, uh, gee, that's a very long ways for guys who are sinking below the water every day. Right. So that um, it's, you know, that GM uh, is better than it appears to be. It's not nearly as good as it should be, mm-hmm. okay, but it's better than it appears to be. Uh, Ford and Chrysler have actually been worse than they appeared to be for a long time when they were floating on the uh, kind of bubble of uh, F-100 sure. Explorer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's uh, GM's problem right now. Really, it's it's big, big problem is really a legacy problem, yeah. and uh, Ford and Chrysler's uh, problem is the management problem. And generation of very weak uh, management. Yeah. Okay, um, I've got a couple questions that came in from um, readers of the blog. I wanted to see if I could ask you to spend a couple minutes with um, one. Sure. One question, um, I guess these are all kind of more generally speaking about lean, not just within the auto industry. Um, John Hunter sent in a question. He Maybe he's looking for stock tips here, but he was asking, what three publicly traded companies other than Toyota, um, you know, from, from your experience, have the deepest understanding and most substantial execution of lean thinking and lean business systems? Well, you know, I can't actually vouch for it directly because uh, I've only once been allowed on the property. Uh, but the company that really staked its whole future on trying to emulate uh, Toyota, at least from a factory and from a management uh, standpoint, was Danaher. Mm-hmm. And if you had invested in Danaher 25 years ago, you would have done better than investing in GE or practically anything else. Um, so, therefore, uh, you can take a look at Danaher. Uh, I tried to put them in the lean thinking book. And the then president of the company uh, ordered me never to appear on the property mm-hmm. because uh, he claimed they had uh, deep secrets that uh, I would compromise, and so therefore I was uh, declared to be an enemy agent. Mm-hmm. And I recently sort of accidentally wound up on the property of a, of a brand-new acquisition where they really hadn't done anything yet. 
So uh, I can't say to you that uh, Danaher has uh, walked the talk because I've never actually seen any of the operations. Mm-hmm. They sure mm-hmm. as heck have been successful. Right. And I can't imagine that uh, the efforts they've made to emulate Toyota have hurt them. Okay. Yeah, there, there was an so, article uh, in Business Week a couple yeah, weeks Business back Week. about how That's just right. secretive they are in general. So. Yeah. And so the uh, the new uh, guy, the new president, um, um, has uh, said they're going to be more open now. And uh, whether they are going to be or not, don't know. I still haven't uh, been over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a uh, company that has staked its claim to be the sort of uh, Toyota conglomeration mm-hmm. and to do what uh, they would claim GE should have done. Uh, and many of the initial uh, Danaher guys who, uh, you know, Art Byrne uh, was uh, one of the key guys in the transformation to begin with, were refugees from GE, uh, which they always uh, criticized as being a make the numbers as mm-hmm. opposed to actually fix the company company. Right. And that, uh, until recently, has certainly been my experience with GE. Uh, now they've got a lean program, uh, and we'll see uh, how far they can get with it. Uh, Todd Waterman, who's now leading that program, was one of the speakers at our uh, summit down in Atlanta this past week. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, therefore, uh, even GE is now feeling they've got to say uh, for public consumption that they want to be like Toyota. And who knows, maybe they can do it. Um, so, therefore, you know, there's a second company you can take a look at, see if there's anything really beyond Six Sigma. Uh, or indeed whether there was anything to Six Sigma, that uh, historically what GE was really good at was knowing when to acquire things. And then they knew within an acquisition exactly what they wanted, which was typically either the order book or the intellectual property, Mm -hmm. so that they would then just chew up and spit out uh, the rest. So they were very good at integrating, consolidating. And, uh, you know, they had a long run. They haven't done so brilliantly in the last few years, but uh, they had a long run. And you can't think they would be hurt if they actually, at this point, uh, took Toyota to heart. Uh, whether they can do that or not, uh, don't know. Yeah. But uh, Todd's uh, got a nice presentation, and uh, you'd have to go over and uh, judge for yourself uh, on what uh, is really possible. Uh, as you look around, uh, otherwise, the, uh, there are a lot of little guys out there, uh, many of them kind of privately held, uh, people who have spun out of Toyota who are trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, I wish I could point to other big examples of uh, companies that seem to have truly Toyotaized themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this point, uh, I still think those examples are hard to find. Uh, at the Lean Enterprise Institute, we're working with six uh, massive organizations, uh, four of which are private businesses that we haven't identified, uh, just doing research projects. Uh, we're not consultants, just trying to figure out by um, – looking at this thing under a microscope, what the key things are that management has to change to have any hope of actually making a transformation. Mm-hmm. And so we're both uh, urging and observing, uh, kind of doing A3 with these guys and saying, well, look, here's the problem with your management. Uh, why don't you try this, and now let's all stand back and see what happens. Uh, so we're still in uh, the research phase of trying to come up with the, uh, the magic sauce for taking a kind of traditional mass production organization. And by the way, that extends from hospitals to uh, city government to distribution companies and so forth. Uh, The whole world, for the very most part, is bogged down in mass production management, in which the boss has got all the answers, the employees are told to produce results ordered by the boss, and then the employees do the best in Dilbert-like fashion Mm -hmm. to uh, cook the scoreboard, you know, rewire the backside of the scoreboard so they can uh, get their bonus and get on to the next thing. 
So, um, in general, uh, the world is uh, pretty Dilbert-like, and uh, Toyota's uh, influence on the world so far is pretty modest. And I say that as somebody who's been beating the drum for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It's it's just so obvious. It's a better system. Why can't we do this? And we all know the reasons why we can't do this, but how are we going to uh, basically attack those reasons and render them uh, no longer operative? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the you know that's the line of work I have uh, found myself in. Right. So I wish I could rattle off for your uh, blog, uh, uh, your um, uh, respondent there. Uh, you know, here's the 14 companies that have actually done it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the answer is well, maybe we've got about two that might make a plausible claim to actually having done it. Yeah. And uh, we all got to keep working. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. And uh, another question. No um, I'm sorry. I said no stock tips. Okay. Um, another question came from uh, a blog reader, Joe Wilson, um, kind of asking about the term lean itself. And, you know, a lot of times people that are opposed to Toyota production system type ideas have, have spun that and, and paired it with, with the word mean and talk about lean and yeah. mean. So he was wondering, you know, do, yeah. do you wish in hindsight you had maybe picked a different word? Have you been comfortable with uh, with the word lean and what people have done? Well, like also rhymes with green, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, I suppose it could rhyme with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, uh, a word is a word. Uh, you have to pick something. Uh, what we were looking at at the time was about doing more with less. Right. Uh, the way it's been used by a lot of people is to do uh, less with a whole lot less, and particularly with a whole lot uh, less people. Right. Uh, people are going to do that. Uh, but uh, there was actually uh, some virtue in business process reengineering, but uh, the way it got uh, translated by the consulting community uh, in the recession of '91 that it was entirely about headcount reduction and indeed short-term headcount reduction, and so the only thing we got out of BPR was Dilbert. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, therefore, if uh, lean is taken on by managers who are clueless as to the real meaning. Well, then over time, uh, its meaning becomes the meaning that people deduce from the behavior of those managers. Yeah. And I can't really uh, do anything about that. Um, would there have been a better term? Uh, hey, you know, I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going back. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't go back. Right. But uh, the, the analogy I normally use is uh, the one that I'm just uh, having in my mind right now that my second and uh, last uh, offspring, my daughter, is uh, leaving home. And uh, I tell people that uh, my wife and I uh, constructed the rocket and did a tremendous amount of programming of the computer. We're now going to roll it out of the launch pad, uh, push yeah. the fire button, and I don't know where it's going to go. Because yeah. uh, once it leaves the pad, well, it's just going to do anything it pleases, <laughs> that daughter of mine. So uh, lean was a term that uh, John Krapchik uh, suggested in my office mm-hmm. in 1987. It seemed like a good one for the time. It got us out, by the way, of the nationalism and the ethnicism and um, all the kind of uh, stuff that was connected with the widespread belief that these ideas had something to do with Japan. Right. And, look, I'm really happy uh, to see over time that uh, that idea at least has evaporated, mm-hmm. that uh, most people do grasp that Honda and Toyota have prospered and all the rest of the Japanese car companies have, uh, for the most part, failed. Yeah. And that Japan itself, of course, uh, after 1990 and the end of the bubble has been dead in the water. So that, uh, thank goodness, at least we got beyond the, um, you know, ethnic national uh, mm-hmm. focus. And the term lean was designed to save us uh, from that focus by um, uh, focusing on an objective issue of performance, that uh, when we were trying at a whiteboard in my office to figure out what to call this thing, 
uh, I said, well, why don't we name it for what it does? And that was when John jumped in and said, well, gee, you know, it takes less effort to produce a given amount of value, and it takes less capital investment, it takes less space, you make fewer errors, you can make money producing items in, in lower total volume, less, 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 and we all kind of looked at each other, and John said, it's lean. Yeah. Um, and so that's uh, the term that we can come up with, um, you know, that was then, mm-hmm. this is now. Uh, sorry that so many clueless uh, people uh, have taken, oh, I just mean clueless. I mean, look, some of it is just stupid meanness. Uh, stupid meanness is where you set out to hurt somebody else and just end up hurting yourself. Uh, but there's been so much cluelessness um, amongst so many managers who just looked at it as a short-term expedient to try to figure out how to get some people out of the plant. Uh, which was uh, the last thing Toyota had any interest mm-hmm. in. Yep. Uh, their focus from the get-go was how to grow. And uh, however to grow, what they had to do was to make good use of uh, human beings, good use of capital, good use of time. And uh, so the system was designed to save time, save effort, uh, save uh, bricks and mortar. Yeah. And uh, that seems kind of hard to attack. Uh, but hang on, just the final thing, that uh, suppose that all companies were uh, just launching today, uh, hardly anybody would have any problem with the term uh, green, uh, lean, because uh, they would all be growing. Yep. And they would be able to grow even faster because they needed less inputs to produce more outputs. Uh, where you get into the problem with lean is when you have these big behemoths like GM, mm-hmm. Ford, and Chrysler that are fading fast. And uh, it's so easy to interpret any kind of lean initiative as just a way to get rid of people so that they can shore up profits for the short term. And uh, that then is interpreted by the public as being uh, truly mean. And if that's all it is, well, that's what it is. And uh, sorry about that, but I didn't do that. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, um, thank you for uh, for your time today. It's certainly good to have you with us again on the the podcast and have you share your thoughts. Yeah. Well, look, uh, just for the future, uh, just a final uh, thing to think about. Uh, I've uh, spent the past week out here in Australia going through healthcare organizations, looking at uh, some truly uh, heroic efforts to try to uh, answer the simple question, how would Toyota run healthcare? Oh, great. And, uh, boy, there are a lot of smart people. Uh, Whatever you could say about healthcare, there are an awful lot of smart people in it who are thinking some very uh, smart thoughts about uh, what we could do and, boy, there is something that uh, is absolutely in everybody's interest. As I said to an audience of 500 doctors in Sydney last week, uh, Toyota treats car parts better than any healthcare <laughs> system treats patients. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, Toyota treats its associates and its managers better than most healthcare organizations treat their staff. Uh, what in the heck is going on here, guys? Uh, practices that would just be totally unacceptable in dealing with generators or alternators yep. Uh, are apparently quite acceptable in dealing with people's lives. So let us all hope, given that uh, this boomer thing is happening, and I unfortunately am part of it, uh, where we're all going to be old and gray uh, and bankrupt every national uh, you know, economy mm-hmm. with our current uh, health care practices, uh, let us hope that uh, indeed uh, the most fertile field uh, for these lean ideas in the next uh, few years is in health care. Yeah. But uh, also, look, uh, we've um, at LEI uh, not moved away from manufacturing, but you look at who comes to our site, uh, who signs up uh, for our conferences and events, uh, far more than half of the folks uh, have nothing whatever to do with manufacturing. 
people in distribution, people in retailing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had a presentation down at our summit from Starbucks from one of the top uh, senior people in Starbucks uh, about yeah. how you know how Toyota would run Starbucks. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so that the growth is uh, not manufacturing, for better or worse. Uh, right. You know, the the manufacturers have uh, just struggled with the Brownsville problem. Uh, but the growth in this uh, way of thinking is really uh, largely, uh, very largely, in all the other activities uh, in an economy, uh, from retail to distribution to uh, services of various sorts, including, let us hope for the future, how to service your car. Um, and so that's, uh, to me, a great uh, boon. It's a great um, uh, consolation uh, for the lack of what uh, has happened in some parts of manufacturing, and uh, by the way, in some ways, Motown was the worst, uh, where it should have been braced uh, most quickly and easily has turned out to be a very tough uh, lie, very tough venue. Yeah. Um, when you look across what's really going on out in the lead movement, a tremendous amount of froth and bubble, um, and plus a tremendous amount of real progress. Uh, in all kinds of places that uh, you might not have expected it, and that uh, really, I think, uh, gives us hope for the future. Well, good. So that's where we are. All right. Well, we can leave that as a, a teaser for maybe we can do another one of these and, and sure. focus on health care. I'd certainly love to talk to you about that. I'll be delighted to. Well, yeah, you uh, know something about that yourself. So uh, let's keep talking. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thanks again, Jim. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.